Welcome to the podcast of the United Church of Bogota. We are a Bible-based church ministering to the English-speaking community in Bogota, Colombia. We invite you to join our diverse fellowship as we encounter God in worship and experience the impact of His grace on every part of our lives and in our world. To learn more, please visit our website at ucbogota.org. Testing one, two, three, one, two, three. Okay, excellent. Inevitably, I'm going to have some trouble with the, the audio here, but hopefully you guys can persevere with me. Uh, well, good morning. Uh, like Bryce said, I'm Peter Dishman. Uh, I've had the uh, privilege to be in this, uh, this uh, traffic-heavy city uh, for the last seven years, and uh, I love this place. Uh, and so uh, I'm thankful that the Lord uh, has uh, put me and my family here uh, to love Him and to love others, and especially... Uh, to wade into um, the life of college students uh, who uh, are often struggling with the question of who am I, <laughs> how do I fit into the big story uh, of what God is doing here, um, what do I need to do as I respond to God's call to love him with all my heart and soul and strength in my relationships and in my vocation. Um, if you have your Bibles here, uh, please turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11. Uh, you can grab a pew Bible, uh, even though I'm going to be reading from the ESV. Uh, you can uh, look it up on your apparatus, uh, or I think we're going to have it here on the, uh, the screen. Uh, so I just want to start with a question. Uh, my question is this. How do you do when you're stuck in between? Does that question make sense? Uh, sometimes you're, maybe you're in the middle, if you're a college student, you're in the middle of your major, right? So you're not in first semester, maybe you're in seven factorial semester, uh, and you've got a few more semesters to finish, you're in the middle of your major, uh, how do you do in the middle of it? Uh, how do you feel? Sometimes you feel a little disoriented. Did I get the right major? Am I in the right story? Am I, have I messed up my life forever? Uh, where, is, where is this going? Right? How did I get in this, and, and how is it going to end? Uh, or maybe uh, you, we can think of uh, the same situation, not just in the context of a college student, but maybe uh, in a mature adult, right? Uh, do some of you mature adults out there ever, went, ever think to yourselves, how did I get here? <laughs> I kind of know how I ended up in this geography and this point in life, but how did I get here and, and where am I going? And gosh, I really don't like my life and what it's about, and I don't really understand. It's just, it's confusing, it's discouraging, it's, uh, it's a fog. Do you ever find yourself lost in the middle, <laughs> maybe of a major, maybe of your life? <laughs> I think we've all found ourselves lost at different times, lost in the middle, and we've needed orientation. Where did I come from? Where did I go? How, how do I think about myself right now? And that's what, uh, that's what our friend Luke wants to give us this morning. Uh, he's writing to his friend Theophilus, the lover of God is what his name means, pretty impressive name. Uh, and Theophilus has been exploring Christianity, and Luke has been writing to him. Uh, he wrote a book uh, about Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection, his ascension, part one. Uh, and now he's starting Tomodos, part two, and he's going to write about everything that happened since Jesus' resurrection all the way to the establishment of the church as it moves from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. 
And so in this book, what Theophilus, is, what Theophilus, what Luke is trying to do is he's trying to orient Theophilus as to what the Christian life looks like, and especially what the Christian life looks like for one of his witnesses. So if you're exploring Christianity, this is a great day for you to be here. Uh, Theophilus is exploring Christianity too. And if you already consider yourself a witness of Jesus Christ, you're a witness to what he has done, what he will do, and what he is doing This could be a great orientation for you as you think about yourself in the middle of your life following the risen Christ. So let's take a look at our passage and see what we find there. Acts chapter 1, starting with verse 1. It says here, uh, in the first book, Theophilus, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, a cloud took him out of their sight, and while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, And said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Well, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. Uh, So let's pray that he will enable us to hear and to respond to his word. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for um, what you inspired Luke to write Uh, to his friend Theophilus these many years ago. And we thank you that your word is alive, uh, that you continue uh, to speak to us through your word. Uh, So I pray that you would uh, this morning uh, give us um, ears to hear, that you give us hearts uh, to to comprehend, and that you would give us uh, a will uh, to respond what you wish to speak to us. Uh, And Lord, we know that we come from a lot of different places this morning, Uh, Some of us are tired, uh, and we uh, just limped in. We're surprised that we managed to make it to worship uh, and to get out of bed. Uh, And we really need you to give us encouragement and strength. Some of us are really excited. We have an amazing amounts of energy because we can't believe it's a festivo. Uh, And finally, we get to have fun. Uh, And so, uh, Lord, I pray for those of us with much energy uh, that you'd help us to channel our energy to hear your voice. Father, some of us come and we think, what am I doing in a church? Christians are crazy hallelujah people. I'm not one of those. Uh, and we're wondering what we're doing uh, in, uh, in the church in a place of faith. Um, Father, and others of us come and we've been walking in these paths for days and months and years and, and decades. Uh, and so, Lord, I pray that whether we're new to the faith or skeptical of the faith, Uh, or or spiritual insiders that you'd speak to all of us this morning. We thank you that this is a hospital for sinners. (laughs) It's a place for the weak and the wounded and the sick and the sore. That's all of us. 
And we thank you that you delight to welcome sinners uh, into your presence, uh, to transform them by your grace, and to send them out as witnesses to Jesus. Uh, Jesus who lived, who died, who rose again, and now is ruling all things from the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Uh, We pray in his name. Amen. All right. Uh, Well, this morning, uh, I want to look at uh, just really two things. Uh, If you are going to be a witness uh, for Jesus, if you're going to be a Christian, uh, you need to know know a few things about Jesus, uh, and you need to know a few things about you, right? Uh, So today, I want to start with the things that you need to know about Jesus. Uh, How many of you guys have been on the Transme recently? Anybody on the transme? Okay, a few bold souls, right? Have you ever been on the transme when there are just lots of people on there and uh, you're a little anxious, right, that someone's going to like pick your pockets or something, but, but the transme drivers, you know, having a good old time and there's baches, there's, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a mess in the transme line. And so you're there and you've got, you've got one grip, right? Uh, and you're kind of holding on that grip and then you're like, oh man, this is really intense here. I guess I better, ah, I got to get this other grip right? Um, <clears throat> if you understand the instability of the transme and how important it is to get a grip on those two handles uh, to uh, preserve your life, right? And uh, how important it is to take the risk of having your pockets picked for a bit of stability in transit, uh, I think you can understand um, where, where Theophilus or where Luke is coming, for, spe- coming from speaking to Theophilus. Because what he wants to say to Theophilus is, Theophilus, unless you can grip a few of these things, you're not going to get the Christian life. And disciples and witnesses, unless you can grip these things about Jesus, you're going to get thrown around and you're going to get battered and you're going to get pickpocketed and all kinds of things are going to happen to you because you're not going to have any stability in your Christian life. You're not going to be able to persevere. You're not going to be able to, um, to testify about Jesus unless you're gripping who he is and what he's done. So what are the things you're supposed to grip here? Well, Luke starts and he says, Oh, Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Interesting. What, what has Jesus done so far? He's done and he's taught, right? In his life, death, resurrection. He's talking about the book of Acts, right? Tomo uno. Um, book one, right? Uh, but it just says, in really the whole of the Gospel of Luke, that's only what Jesus has begun to do and teach. That's just... That's just the beginning. That's just chapter one, and there are a lot more chapters that are coming uh, in, in this book. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Uh, and it says, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Well, what's the first grip uh, that Luke wants Theophilus to have and that the apostles need to have? They need to know that Jesus is alive, right? They need to know definitively, they need to know palpably that Jesus is not some kind of imaginary ghost. They need to know that he's not an invention, that they're not hallucinating. They need to know that he really is palpably risen from the dead, the real him uh, that has come back, the the only one, uh, defeating the power of sin and death um, forever. Because if they don't know that, they've, that Jesus is really risen from the dead, then they're not going to have the confidence to die for him. And what did they all do? All the, all the apostles, how did their lives end? 
all of them were killed for their faith, or we got the last one, John, and what does he do? He dies in exile, right? So the first thing that you know is Jesus has risen from the dead, that it's really him, and that he really is alive. And if you go back to Luke, uh, you can see that he did present himself alive, and he gave many proofs. What were some of the proofs? Some of the proofs were what? That he ate with them. Not too many ghosties eating with you, right? Um, he, they could touch him, right? There's Thomas poking around in Jesus' side. That's pretty comfortable. That's right. They could see the, the marks, right? They could touch the marks of Christ. Okay, what else? Uh, he ate with them. They touched him. Uh, they, they talked with him. Like, they verified this isn't a robot. Uh, this isn't someone like that's, you know, this isn't an AI program. Uh, it's really him. He really knows them down to the core, right? Uh, and they share the same story, um, and they share the same suffering together. Okay, and, and what I love is uh, if you go to the book of First uh, John, right, the, the, the letter, I love how John starts off. He talks about, we are witnesses to him that we have what? We have seen him, we have heard him, we have touched him. Sounds weird, right? The only thing they haven't done is like grab Jesus' hand and licked him, right? All of their senses have been engaged in uh, in, in understanding who Jesus is and understanding, this is the real him. He's fully here. He is, he is uh, our Savior. He is our Master. He is our Lord. He is our King. He is real, and he is alive. So the first thing you have to know if you're going to be a witness is the real Jesus came back from the dead. He fulfilled what he promised he was going to do, uh, and he is, in fact, uh, over all things, uh, and he, in fact, did pay for the sins of all those who believe in him, uh, he did, uh, he, he does, in fact, make us part of his family, the church, new, new people. Uh, he does, in fact, give us new hearts, not hearts to say, mine, 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 but hearts, but hearts to say, I'm all yours, <laughs> right? Uh, change, change, thank you for changing my affections and directing me towards you uh, and others with love. Uh, and that he is the same Jesus that gives them uh, a new future uh, before them. So grip number one, Jesus really is alive. He really did come. <laughs> he really did defeat death. What's the other grip that he gives them? Well, we'd have to jump down to the end of the passage that we read. Uh, and, and as they're talking with him, uh, what happens? He says, okay, you guys are going to be my witnesses. And then suddenly there's Jesus. <laughs> this is a little weird and ghost-like, right? Jesus starts to move up off the ground. He starts to get higher and higher and higher. And did you notice that detail? He gets covered up by a cloud, right? Okay, that's interesting. And then he disappears from their sight, right? But it's very interesting if you are a, 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 um, in the ancient Jewish world, you would have known about clouds, right? Not cumulonimbus and all that sort of thing maybe. Uh, but you would have known that the most important cloud in all of scripture is the glory cloud, right? Uh, when God comes down on Sinai, when God comes down to the temple, right? And here, when Jesus ascends, he's subsumed by this glory cloud, the cloud of the presence of God, right, as he goes up to the Father to begin ruling all things from the right hand uh, of God, right? Uh, so, so the second thing you, you have to know is that, um, is that Jesus ha has gone to be with the Father, and they get a little rebuke here, right? They're watching this. If you were there and you saw Jesus go into the sky and be covered with a glory cloud, would you keep watching I would keep watching that show, right? Who's seen this is amazing? This is incredible, right? 
but they're watching this, and, and then suddenly there are a couple of angels. Of them. What do the angels say? They're like, um, guys, uh, yeah, um, you, might, you might need to, guys, look down, I'm over here, right? They say to them, stop, basically they say to them, stop looking into heaven, right? Stop looking at the cloud. You're, you're stuck and you're forgetting something. You need to know that this Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. So what's the second thing they need to know? They need to know that Jesus is coming back, that he's coming back in glory, that he's coming back to judge the quick and the dead, right? People who are alive and people who are dead, and that Jesus is coming to make everything right, which is amazing because you think, wow, all the things that are sad are going to come untrue, right? All the, things, all, the, all the things that deeply mark and move all of my actions and feelings, if I'm in Christ, those things are going to finally be the way they ought to be, right? I'm going to finally have intimate and full relationship with Christ. I'm finally going to be able to love that annoying person in my family, right, with my whole heart. I'm finally going to be able to be an engineer wow, with heart and soul and mind and strength because I think they're probably going to be, there's going to be some building in the new heavens and the new earth. We're not going to sit and play harps on clouds, right? We're actually going to be involved in uh, this new heavens and earth where things are going on, including work, which is something that God created good, right? So you have to know that Jesus is coming back, that he's going to restore all things, and that there's a one day, someday, when everything is going to be as it ought to be. So what are the two things you need? You need to grip the past reality that Jesus is alive, and you have to grip the future reality that Jesus is coming again. If you can't grip those two realities, you can't grip the Christian life. You won't understand that Jesus is, is your life. You won't understand in the past. You won't understand that Jesus is your life in the future. And so you won't be able to live uh, from the life of Christ and for the life of Christ in the present. How are you doing today in gripping Jesus is alive? Uh, for Christians, hopefully, you're thinking about that a lot, right? Uh, not that Jesus just paid for our sins and that he died, uh, but that Jesus rose from the dead and that he continues to live and, and is working uh, his life out in us. Uh, is that something that you think about a lot? Uh, is that something that you're nurturing through the means of grace, coming to church, reading God's word, praying together, uh, partaking of the sacraments? That, that reality we have to nurture uh, in our unbelieving hearts uh, constantly. And then what about the future? Do you think often about the future? Probably, right? It probably keeps you up at night. You, you, you're, you're tossing and you're turning. You get that post-nasal drip, which is annoying. But uh, it's more than that. You're thinking, ah, what if I don't do all right in that class? What if I don't send my kid to the right school? What if I don't, what if I can't take the next step in, in, my, in my career? What's going to happen then, Right? And you're probably full of fear of those things or preoccupation a lot. And what's the problem with that? Well, the problem is that you're gripping the future, but you're not gripping the future in Christ, and you're not gripping Christ's future, right? Uh, because if you can see further into the future and you can see that Jesus is coming back, uh, that Jesus has your history in his hands, uh, and that all things are going to be uh, made as they ought to be, uh, then, then that, the far future, is what's going to give you security to be a witness today, right? Uh, 
having Jesus as your ultimate future is the thing that saves you from being owned by your fear of the future right now. So how are you doing today? How am I doing today? Are you gripping Jesus' resurrection life in the past? Are you gripping Jesus' resurrected return in the future? You've got to grip those. Otherwise, you won't be able to walk. Uh, you won't be able to not be controlled uh, by your idea of success and failure, your own uh, fear uh, or <laughs> uh, triumphant celebration of the things that you are bringing about in your life. Our future is in Christ. That's exactly right. All right, so those are things you need to grip about Jesus, right? But now let's go and, and let's talk about things that you've got to grip about you. What is the definition of, um, of the disciples in, uh, in this passage? What does Jesus say? Jesus says, uh, after he's presented himself alive, he says, wait, right? You guys don't have what it takes. I've got the authority. I've gonna, I'm going to be present. You guys don't have what it takes to be witnesses. You don't have what it takes to make disciples from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. So hold on, hold on. You're in me, but you need the power of the Spirit, right, uh, to enable you for this impossible job that I'm going to give. And what is the impossible job? The impossible job is witnesses, right? Uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what do we need to know about ourselves? We are, well, we've got the, the apostles here. Are you guys apostles? No. Uh, is that guy that says, I'm an apostle, uh, that's leading a, a megachurch an apostle? Um, well, we can talk about that. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, here, Jesus is talking about the people that he's chosen to be his legal representatives. They're the guys that have been authorized. They, they give the authorized version of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and rule incarnate, right? So these are the guys that they're special. Uh, the scripture says that uh, Jesus built, the church is built on the foundation of the law, sorry, of the, the uh, apostles and the prophets, right? How many times do you build a foundation? Hopefully only once, Right? If you're doing it multiple times, your building is a, a little bit of a curiosity and a danger, probably. Right? So in the sense, Jesus is saying, you guys are my witnesses. He's saying it in a very particular, unique, historical, redemptive sense to these guys. Uh, but, but in another sense, we are also in the same vein. We are also witnesses, maybe, maybe lowercase w witnesses, right? And what is a witness? A witness is someone who says, I've seen this, <laughs> this has happened, this is a reality, this changes everything, right? Uh, and that's what, that's what the disciples, and that's what the apostles are supposed to be saying, that's what they're supposed to be communicating. We have seen the true king of all things, we have seen how he's given us a new status, a new nature, a new family, and a new future, uh, and we, we are here not just to tell you about it, but to call you to respond to the only king that won't exploit you and destroy you and squeeze you for himself. That's what they're to be. They're to be witnesses of how Jesus is such a good king and how he is the unique and only uh, powerful king uh, to, who does not destroy you but restores you. So what do we need to know about ourselves? <laughs> a main descriptor of what we are is that we're witnesses, that we are people that talk about who Jesus is historically, and we are uh, historically in the past, and that we're people who talk about who Jesus is historically in our past and present. What do you think about that? If I trailed you in your life or stalked you on Facebook 
Nah, that's not really reliable. Uh, if, I, if I followed you around for a while, uh, or if we asked your friends, what would they say that you talk about the most? What would they say? Because what does a witness do? A witness says, this is true, this is glorious, this is amazing, you should come and worship and know this person, place, or thing too, right? So if I went with you into your world, what would you be talking about most? What would people say that you love the most? What would people say is the most true and beautiful thing in your life that you can't stop talking about or inviting people into or confronting people with, with, uh, with this and saying, hey, you need this beautiful and true thing in your life? What are you a witness of in your life? Because you're a witness. The question is not whether, but to who or to what. What would I find out if I did this investigation with your wife or with your kids uh, or with your friends uh, or with your social media? What would I find? Because you're a witness to something that is glorious and good and beautiful. What is it that has captivated uh, your heart, mind, soul, and strength? So we are, we are witnesses. What are we witnesses of? Are we witnesses to Jesus? And is that filling our hearts and our minds and our mouths um, and our relationships? Um, or are there other things uh, to which we witness more? Uh, are there other things that are more potent and present uh, in our lives? So we need to know that we're witnesses. Um, we also need to know that we have uh, that we're witnesses that have been called uh, to be part of the outward movement of the gospel, that we have a place in our witness. What are the four horizons here? What are the four horizons? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth, right? Um, and so the gospel is going out. Where does it start? It starts kind of in its home place, right? Because Jerusalem is where, you know, all the original events of, uh, of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and rule begin, and, and when you hear Jesus talk in those places, uh, or when you hear the apostles talk in those places, what do they say? What do they say? Usually what they say is, hey guys, we've been waiting for this amazing king to change everything, and you killed him. <laughs> um, what do you think about that? <laughs> what do you want to do with the guilt and the shame of murdering the person that you were waiting to come and trans to transform and to rule uh, your entire world. So there's, so there's Jerusalem, right? And that doesn't go particularly well. A lot of people join the faith, uh, but eventually, um, eventually there's persecution. And so that pushes them out to where? To Samaria. Who are the Samarians? The Samarians are, Harry Potter speak, speak they're the mudbloods, Right? They're these guys that got left behind in the exile, and so they're all kind of mixed together in what they believe, and a little bit of Judaism, and a little bit of this, a little bit of that. They're sort of like semi-postmodern uh, folks right there with their grab bag religion. And so in Samaria, do the apostles talk the same way that they do in Jerusalem? No, right? Uh, they have a much different rubric because now they're not dealing with people that should know better, <laughs> although I guess we should all know better. They're dealing with people that have this syncretistic faith, right? And so they, they're looking at the different idols and the different needs and the different, um, different things that have captured the hearts of the Samaritans, uh, and they're coming in and saying in a, in a different way, Jesus is who you've been waiting for. Jesus is, in fact, a far better king uh, for your truer needs. And then if you go further, right, uh, we get to um, we, we get towards the end of the, the, the earth. And if you follow Acts, right, eventually Paul gets converted. And Paul, where does he go? He goes to Athens and he goes to Philippi and he goes to all of these different places, right? The way that he talks in those Roman towns, is it always the same? It's not, actually. It's very, very different. And if you go to the place, the most academic uh, place in Acts, it was probably Acts 17, right, Mars Hill in Athens. And how does Paul talk there? 
well, he goes out and he kind of, he connects with the culture, uh, and then he gets taken to the Areopagus where all of the snooty philosopher uh, rulers are, are doing their thing. Uh, and, and what does he do? He says to those people, hey, you guys are extremely religious. He doesn't start and he's like, uh, you idiot idolaters, get your act together. Jesus is the king. He's going to blast you guys, right? He doesn't do that. In fact, he says, you guys, I see, you get it. <laughs> you understand that we were made to worship. And in fact, you got worship going on all over the place. That's fantastic. But, small problem, you yourselves know that God's not like this, that, that you can't contain God's and you can't contain the true God in little temples, right? God's bigger than you think. Uh, he's not. <laughs> you, you've got the right impulse. Uh, you've got the right impulse for worship, but, but you don't understand who the true God is. And so I'm going to talk to you about the true God today. <laughs> um, and, and I'm going to tell you about, they had this one little altar, right, to the unknown God. Apparently there was an unknown God. They, they had a plague in the city. The plague wouldn't stop. They're like, well, we tried all our gods. Let's make up an unknown God and see if he can save us. And so the unknown God did, in fact, stop the plague. But did he ever get a name? No. And so Paul's there and he says, look, in your history, you're worshiping. But look, the gods you worship, can they really save you physically or otherwise? No. The person, the, the God that you're actually looking, like, looking for is the God of the scriptures. <laughs> He's the true person uh, that stops plagues. <laughs> He's the true one that you ought to be worshiping and adoring. Uh, but what are you doing, right? And God's put up with ignorance for a long time. But guess what? Jesus is here. <laughs> uh, and, he is, and he is the king. <laughs> and he is uh, bringing things uh, to light. Uh, and he's drawing people in a confrontational and loving way to decide what they're going to do with him. So what are you going to do with him? And of course, at that point, uh, the conversation goes in some other directions uh, because the Greeks thought, why would you want a body? Bodies are bad. Why would you want a resurrection, right? <laughs> you actually want an obliteration of your body so that you can become more spiritual, right? Christianity was extremely cross-cultural. Um, but all that to say that you are, what we need to know about ourselves is that we're witnesses and that God has placed us in the movement going outward, right, proclaiming the true king to give people in all areas really close uh, to the place where it all began and really far that he is bringing that message of the true and good king um, who calls us to submit to him and be made whole, uh, to be made whole in, in all the aspects of our lives. And he's doing that in different places. So he, he hasn't just given us a job, be witnesses, but he's also given us a place on that spectrum. And here's my question for you, and I know there's lots of explanation, my bad, that was actually a review of Acts. Huh. Um, where has God placed you and how has God equipped you for witness? Are you like the, the religious insider that you like all of that inside baseball uh, and that you're really good at talking to people uh, on, their, um, on the turf of their own self-righteousness? <laughs> Are you really good at talking with mudbloods and syncretists, people that are mixing everything together, trying to figure out, okay, how does that all fit together? What are the real owners and gods in that world? Are you a person that loves to learn the histories and stories of places and to see how those stories are, in fact, longing for the living and true God in the person and work of Christ? What kind of, what kind of, what place has God called you to on the spectrum of Jerusalem to the ends of the earth? And are you entering into that place? And are you embracing that place? And are you loving that place in a sacrificial way? God's not just giving you a role. He's also giving you a place. 
Um, and you're not always in the place you want to be, and that's totally fine, right? Uh, the apostles got pushed around a lot by persecution, and so sometimes they were in unexpected places. But are you in the place that you live? Are you loving that place? Are you learning that place? Are you coming to that place not in a, rah, 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 let me destroy you, let me tell you what's... Or are you learning the place because you want to love that place because that place is longing for the person and for the work and for the grace of Christ? Okay. Ah, um, so we're witnesses. We're witnesses that are called to be people of place uh, as part of the outward movement of the gospel. But the, probably the most important thing is that we're not just witnesses that are called to a place, but we're witnesses who have a great power, <laughs> the power of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Do you guys, uh, you know, in some, of our, in some of our context, the Holy Spirit is really big these days, right? Uh, we used to say the Holy Spirit is the forgotten member of the Trinity, Right? He's kind of quiet and you know, people aren't too interested in him. But today and in our, in our city, ooh, the Holy Spirit's the whole ball game. Right? There are many places you can go where it's, it's very much emotional and, and experience and let's wait for our miracle and all of this different kinds of things uh, that we're waiting for this experience of power uh, that's going to tell us uh, how we, who we ought to be and how we ought to orient uh, our lives. But what is it, when you, when you go back in uh, to the Gospels and you look at the Holy Spirit and you look at what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit? Third member of the Trinity. Uh, what else? What else does Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? Parakaleo, the helper. What does the Holy Spirit help you to do? What does Jesus say the Holy Spirit helps you to do? Jesus says the Holy Spirit helps you to get who he is, right? The Holy Spirit is the, is the one that gives you Jesus' words, gives you Jesus' works, and gives you the wonder uh, of, of perceiving and responding to that, right? Uh, and so the, the biggest thing they have is they have the power of the Holy Spirit who is going to give them Jesus. Jesus now in heaven, right? He's not in one geographic place. He's actually in all geographical places, because the Holy Spirit is inhabiting all of the witnesses as they move out towards the ends of the earth. And what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit is giving them, here's Jesus' words, here's Jesus' works, here's this wonder and worship and courage. You can die because you have Jesus, or more importantly, Jesus has you. Uh, and so if, if you're someplace in Bogota or elsewhere, uh, and you see spiritual things going on that are the Holy Spirit's work, supposedly, ask yourself, is this Holy Spirit making much of Jesus? Is this Holy Spirit pointing to, the, to Jesus who always comes to us garbed in Scripture? Is this Holy Spirit making me wonder at who Jesus is? Or is it just confusing me or pushing me in an emotional or experiential way uh, to generate some kind of excitement? Uh, I would just encourage you, you, if you are a believer, you are a witness, you are called to a place, and then you are empowered by the Spirit who always gives you 100% of the time gives you Jesus and draws you into worship. That is your biggest power. That is your biggest resource as a witness. Okay, got to land the plane. Um, two obstacles uh, to, uh, to perceiving who Jesus is as, uh, as the risen one who is coming again and who is ruling now through the Holy Spirit uh, and obstacles to understanding that you're a witness called to a place empowered by the Spirit. What are they? Um, well, one of them is here. They say, hey, Lord, are you going to restore right now the kingdom of Israel? And what does Jesus say? Times or seasons, not for you to know. Who's the authority? Is it you? No, it's actually the Father. Question for you. Do you have, do you make, are you a planner? 
Do you have plans not just for your school or for your job or for your family, um, but also for your Christianity? Do you have plans maybe for United Church of Bogota? Hey, that's great. Uh, The more of you that are involved and wholeheartedly giving of your lives so that the gospel goes out in a powerful way through United, the better. But what is the warning here? They say here not, Lord, how, how can we enter into in what you're doing, but are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? You know what they're thinking? They're thinking, hey, Jesus, are you going to make us the bosses now? Are you going to kick Rome's butt? And are you going to set us up to be the rulers of this brave new uh, theocratical world? Right? They're using their old idea of the kingdom. And they're saying, Jesus, are you going to do our version of the kingdom now? Right? So one of the big obstacles to understanding who Jesus is, getting the grips, understanding who you are, is that you subtly bring in your own plans. My time, my place, my version of the kingdom. Ever done that? I've done it. <laughs> I think it happens a lot of the times when we think that we uh, don't come to Jesus waiting for him to establish his kingdom and, and coming, making our plans with humility, uh, but instead we decide it's got to be this way. And, and the other thing that's an obstacle to, hear, to them, and, and I'll close here with this, uh, is what happens at the end, right? The two angels say to them, hey, stop looking up at heaven. You got, you got work to do, and uh, you know, Jesus is coming back. They forgot that Jesus was coming back. They thought when Jesus left, Jesus in whom was hidden their lives, they thought, this is it. Uh, this is the whole ball game, right? And so they forgot Jesus' own words, right? I'm giving you the Spirit so you'll have me in a much more powerful way throughout the time of your sojourn uh, as you move from uh, slavery to the true promised land, the new heavens and the new earth. Um, but don't, don't forget, I, I keep telling you, I'm coming back. I'm coming back, Right? Um, they, they were forgetting uh, the, the end of the story. And so, so I think sometimes we impose our own plans uh, and, then, and then we forget, we, we, we forget or we, we, we supplant uh, what Jesus keeps repeating to us about who he is and what he has done and what he is going to do. Uh, so maybe pride uh, and forgetfulness, those are things that hugely debilitate our ability to perceive who Jesus is and respond how he's defined us uh, as his witnesses. Uh, a long time ago, back in the 1950s, uh, they built a dam in Egypt. Anybody know what that dam is? The Anwar Dam. It's this huge dam. Um, and they took, I think, maybe like 20 years to build this dam. And while they were building the dam, which dams up the Nile, uh, you had the, this, you know, they still had the Nile coming through so you could wash your clothes and you could, you know, whatever, brush your teeth, I guess. Um, maybe not. Maybe that's dangerous. Um, but, but they were building this huge dam, and so all this water was building up behind the dam. Uh, and then when they finally uh, opened the dam, um, they, they were generating enough electricity to power all of the cities in Egypt. <laughs> uh, and, and really, um, when, Jesus, uh, uh, when Jesus rises, when he ascends, when he gives the gift of the Holy Spirit, up until that time, you had the trickle, right? Uh, God was saving people for himself, right? And really, if you're going to be a Christian, it means the Holy Spirit has given you a new heart, right? It only happens supernaturally. It only happens because he's decided for that to happen, right? We're responders. Uh, we're um, in, uh, in salvation. We are not uh, saviors or uh, initiators. Uh, but at the moment that Jesus, uh, that Jesus pours out the Holy Spirit on them, it's like when they open that dam, Right? Uh, that suddenly all the power to, to power the whole country of Egypt, to power the whole universe of Christianity has suddenly been released. 
And so what I want to say in closing to you is, huh, I don't know how well you're grasping to who Jesus is. I don't know how good a witness you are. If you measured yourself on the witness scale, what do you think you'd give? Give yourself a 1, a 10, a 43, I don't know. Uh, but uh, most of us, I think, when we look at our witness, we say, oh, wow, the way that I live, the way that I rejoice, the way that I wonder, the way I talk about Jesus, I don't know. There's, uh, wow, the cause, who Jesus is, and the effect in my life, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of correspondence. There needs to be more connection there uh, in my life. Um, and what I want to say to you, uh, if you are a, a, a witness, uh, but as you look back at your witness and you think, my witness is pretty deficient. <laughs> One of the things I want to say to you is, you know what? Um, join the club, right? Uh, think about Peter. <laughs> think about John. These are guys that denied Jesus or ran away naked, <laughs> right? But because the Holy Spirit, because Jesus went after them as their Savior, and because the Holy Spirit was poured out on them, these guys later in Acts, you see them, and they are staring down the Supreme Court of Israel, and they're like, all right, guys, let's go. Right? They are not afraid to die because of the way that they're, the, because the life of Christ is so strong in them uh, because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so if today if you're disappointed, if you're discouraged about yourself as a witness or these people around you uh, here in this ugly and beautiful body called the church, take heart. Jesus is the king and he continues to be the king. Jesus has given the spirit and the spirit continues to work in this uh, beautiful but broken body. Uh, take heart, Jesus who is on the move, Jesus who started, will finish what he has started. Hope in him, find refuge in him, keep, keep eating the diet of grace that he gives you through the word, through the sacrament, through the, that you have incredible access to here in this church. Uh, keep hoping, right? Because Jesus has not ceased to rule. Jesus has not ceased to pour out the Holy Spirit. And Jesus has not given up on you. Jesus pursued you when you didn't even want him. <laughs> Jesus said, you're going to have me. I'm going to transform you. You are going to bathe in my beauty and, and be captured by the wonder of my love for you. Um, he's greater than you are, right? Uh, so don't, don't think that you, can, um, that you can stop him, right? And in fact, uh, instead of stopping him, um, pray that he continue uh, to fill you uh, with the spirit that you might perceive the greatness, the goodness, the power of what he has done in his cross and in, in, in the resurrection. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you for Luke. We thank you for this message uh, to Theophili, Theophiloi, uh, like, you know, so, uh, like uh, ourselves. Uh, and we pray that uh, today that you would convince us that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is alive, that he is ruling, uh, and that he is coming. And I pray that that reality, that indicative, that immovable thing would fill our hearts with joy, with confidence, so that we can be witnesses who are not afraid to die, that we're not afraid to fail, who are not afraid to be, um, to be owned and transformed by you. Uh, Lord, help us to, to lean into uh, the reality of who you've made us. Give us power uh, through the Spirit uh, to comprehend how tall and how deep and how wide and how strong is the love of God in Christ Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to support the ministry of UCB, please visit our website at ucbogota.org.